Hello, listeners. This podcast is hosted by International Idea. In the next minutes, we will help you make sense of what's happening today in democracy worldwide. My name is Mark McDowell, Country Director for International Idea in Myanmar, and I'm here in Nepira with Parvinder Singh, who heads International Idea's office embedded inside Myanmar's Union Election Commission. Parvinder Singh is the senior election expert of the EU's Support to Elections and Democracy program, Step Democracy. Hello, Parvinder. Hi, Mark. How are you? Well, today, in the shadow of the coronavirus crisis, we're going to talk about managing elections during a pandemic. Here in Myanmar, we have an election ahead at the end of 2020, and many countries around the world have had to grapple with the challenges of delivering elections during the COVID-19 pandemic. Looking back into history, elections have been held before during public health crises of similar or greater magnitude. In fact, during the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918-19, midterm elections were held in the United States in November 1918. We also have some more recent examples of elections held in the midst of equally dramatic pandemics. In early 2014, a mysterious hemorrhagic fever emerged in West Africa which had particularly gruesome symptoms and an extremely high fatality rate, close to half of all identified cases. Casualties began to mount quickly, particularly in Guinea, Sierra Leone, and Liberia, and the number of cases exploded in mid-year. The World Health Organization, which had been criticized as slow to react, finally declared this new disease Ebola, a public health emergency of international concern in August. Parvinder Singh was working in Liberia at that time, managing a large election assistance program for IFAS. We will see what we can learn from Liberia that could be important to understand the situation we find ourselves in today. So Parvinder, can you set the stage for us? What was the mood like in Liberia in August? And how did you feel in Liberia knowing that you were working in an area with an Ebola epidemic? Well, I... uh... I, I, Ebola started when I was there, and uh, initially it was uh, uh, not taken very seriously. Um, and also the, uh, the the provision of testing for it was not available, and even the testing took more than 10 hours to find the results. So the reason why it spread so quickly, because uh, uh, people had the symptoms of typhoid and malaria, uh, when they came into the hospitals and uh, when the test was done, the doctors let them go till the results were to come. So that uh, made uh, the infected people roam around in the streets, go to restaurants, go to the shops and come back uh, later realizing they had Ebola. Now, Ebola was at speak uh, and Liberia really got uh, affected by it uh, with the hundreds of people getting infected every day. And uh, as you mentioned, the fatality rate was uh, very high. I actually saw people dying on the roads and uh, there was nobody to pick uh, their bodies because they were, they were, the government was not ready with the uh, equipment which was required, which you call personal uh, PPEs. Mm-hmm. Uh, government didn't have that. And uh, so it, it was a bit scary at that stage. And uh, then that's when the uh, president of Liberia declared a em- uh, health emergency, special emergency in the country. And if I understand correctly, there were 2,800 uh, 
confirmed dead in, uh, in a population of only four and a quarter million. So to put it in the same context as coronavirus, the death rate even in August was significantly higher than the per capita death rate we've seen in UK, Spain, Italy in the current crisis. And, and by the end of the crisis, the rate was over 1,000 per million, which is sort of off the charts by coronavirus standards. Yes, uh, uh, actually, uh, it, at a very later stage, uh, the government uh, uh, started uh, quarantining people and uh, declaring areas as uh, contaminated and uh, not letting people come and uh, come in and go in and go out of those areas, which then helped uh, in uh, the spread of the disease. Okay, so now to elections. Can you explain what type of an election had to be held in Liberia? Liberia is a two-tier government, uh, the Senate and the uh, uh, lower house. Uh, the Senate upper house is, uh, uh, has two representatives from each region. There are 15 uh, regions in uh, uh, Liberia. Uh, half of those, uh, 15 of the senators, uh, were completing their eight-year term uh, in beginning January, and the elections were required to be held uh, before that, otherwise there would have been a constitutional crisis. Okay, so um, they, they wanted to avoid a constitutional crisis, and presumably th uh, this is also tied to the fact that Liberia had just recently emerged from a civil war, so it was very urgent that elections be held more or less on schedule. But what was the, there must have been some discussion around postponing elections and then deciding to hold them. The initial uh, impact of Ebola had uh, uh, given scare to the government, and uh, the, when they declared, uh, when the president declared the national emergency, that uh, effectively uh, resulted in postponing of uh, these special senatorial elections from October. But there was no uh, future date fixed uh, at that time. Uh, and the political parties, uh, uh, they had started uh, the blaming uh, the government of, uh, 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 of uh, putting the country into constitutional crisis and hijacking the democracy. And you are right, uh, uh, coming out of civil war uh, of such a long time, it was important for that country to continue on their very nascent uh, uh, democratic process. Uh, the petitions were filed in the Supreme Court, uh, which uh, deliberated on it and uh, took some time uh, uh, to come out uh, with the decision of dismissing all of them and then uh, uh, issuing, the, issuing the directive the elections can be held uh, in December and that's why they were held on 20th December. So what, what were the public, were there public discussions also about the trade-off between uh, health on one hand and elections or democracy? On the other hand, yes. Uh, see, the, of course, uh, Liberia has been uh, was still dependent on a lot of international uh, aid. So there was uh, there was the United Nations agencies, uh, USA, the European Union, local politi politicians, political parties, and CSOs. They had a couple of uh, conferences where it was discussed that uh, it is. Uh, it, it is important and uh, for this country to have next elections. And uh, that's where the health authorities, uh, international health authorities, as well as local health authorities got involved in uh, uh, specifying the provisions, how the elections can be held in a safety manner in such a health pandemic. 
So, sorry, you mentioned health agencies. So which agencies had to be involved and, and how, how did this interagency discussion or cooperation work in practice? Well, see, United Nations, the UN had introduced a small special mission there, which was called UNME, Un uh, United Nations uh, uh, Eradication of Ebola. That's what they call, and they, they along with the WHO uh, and the Ministry of uh, Health, Social, Health and Social Welfare, they uh, came out uh, uh, with the, uh, with all the health gui guidelines. Of course, uh, when uh, so many agencies are involved, there are uh, some disagreements, but ultimately the president uh, uh, of Liberia. Uh, decided that uh, we need to have elections and all the uh, necessary health guards should be uh, provided for the voters to feel comfortable and come and vote. So I think we'll talk about the campaign under uh, Ebola, but I think first we want to discuss how they pick the election date. So uh, as per the constitution, the elections were supposed to be held on 14th October, but due to the stay order by the president, they the election date uh, later was set for 16 December. But as I mentioned, there were lots of uh, petitions with the Supreme Court and it was deliberating on them. And finally, on 13 December, they dismissed, the Supreme Court dismissed all the petitions and announced the elections will uh, happen on 20th December. Did, did that create any protest or controversy? No, strangely not. Uh, political parties were happy at least the elections are being held and there will not be any constitutional crisis, crisis or a gap it, uh, in, in the uh, working of the parliamentary system. Okay, so how did, uh, how did a, an election campaign work under these very difficult circumstances? See, in normal world today, if you, uh, you know, look at Korea, Serbia, Sri Lanka, mostly the campaign was done, a digitalized campaign was done. However, Liberia is not uh, so far uh, in the digital world. So at that time, it was mostly uh, printing and uh, uh, TV and radio campaign. Uh, even uh, uh, some of the uh, candidates went uh, door to door, but with the due precautions. Uh, of course, uh, most of the campaign was centered uh, in the urban areas, basically in Monrovia and a couple of other big cities. Uh, not much of campaign was done in the rural areas, and that showed in the turnout also during the elections. So there were no rallies or public events? Th those were banned under the uh, stay order of the president. The rallies were banned. Okay. Um, so how how were voters assured that the the voting on like on voting day would be safe? Well, when uh, see the civic uh, uh, part of uh, education for Ebola uh, had started extensively uh, from September, uh, where uh, I have never seen such a large uh, campaign on one single issue even during elections day, but what they did for Ebola. And part of that, they, in that they convey that the people uh, should come and vote and feel safe because uh, sufficient uh, uh, safety measures will be provided at polling stations uh, for the voters as well as the polling station staff. Okay, and what was the, what was the attitude of the local media and the international media um, during this campaign and leading up to voting day, were they uh, 
were they inflammatory or were they calming or what was the what was the effect of, of course media? Uh, media cells if it is they sensationalize the situation and uh, they of course they thought oh this will happen so many people will get affected government doesn't have enough resources to provide health care health safety to all the uh, voters who are gonna come uh, but then there was positive also that uh, at least the government is taking steps to ensure that uh, uh, they don't uh, uh, they don't they, they follow the constitutional provisions and uh, uh, the turnout of 25% in the ultimately you can see that uh, people some people uh, accepted what the government had was providing and uh, some people just stayed back and uh, didn't come and vote so before we get to election day uh, can you talk a little bit about what your role was during the campaign itself, what sort of assistance were international election service providers giving? It, it was more at that time on the uh, on the deciding the uh, safety measures required uh, during the election day. Uh, IFS brought in uh, medical specialists uh, uh, to to discuss with the Ministry of Health and Social Welfare and UN agencies on. Uh, uh, what will be required and what is practical, practically can be provided. Uh, so uh, it, it was special procurement of hand sanitizers and uh, thermometers, uh, uh, gloves, uh, which was not uh, initially planned for the elections. So it came suddenly and uh, it was a rush procurement for that. And then, um, okay, so let's talk about election day. Um, Coronavirus and Ebola are, are slightly different. Ebola is transmitted by touch. Coronavirus appears to be more likely transmitted by uh, airborne droplets or aerosols. So they're, they're both dangerous in slightly different ways. What kind of preparations did you have to make for polling day to make the, the, the polling day safe? Uh, yes, you're right. Corona and Ebola, uh, they are uh, both dangerous and they are... Uh, it, it, distancing is required in both the cases. Uh, whether it is, a, uh, you know, you touch another person who is infected, you get it, or you go close to a person who is infected in Corona uh, case, you, you get, get the infection. Our, uh, our idea and our... Uh, planning uh, was towards that we provide enough space uh, uh, for the voters to keep uh, uh, self uh, distance, uh, distancing between them so that they don't come in uh, physical contact with each other and then uh, to make sure that uh, anybody who is entering the polling station or standing in the queue gets the uh, temperature checked uh, uh, and should not be showing any uh, uh, symptoms of uh, the virus at that time, uh, even with the polling staff, we had to provide the same measures to uh, check them before they started their uh, work. Uh, hand sanitizers and uh, washing uh, places uh, and uh, thermometers were the main uh, procurements or uh, uh, safety material which uh, we were focusing on uh, just before the election. Do you recall any incident where a voter or staff member became, you know, suddenly showed severe symptoms at the polls? 
Actually, no, uh, no uh, and none was reported like that. Uh, uh, there was no case uh, uh, where a voter or a polling staff on the election day showed uh, any signs of getting the infection. And uh, people who were infected were not allowed to come in. They were already in quarantine. So can you um, talk a little bit about what were the, what were the results? I mean, what, how was the turnout and how was the... Um, what was the mood like on election day? Actually, you see, the, going towards the election day, uh, we uh, were aware that uh, it, it, will, it may not be possible to provide all these uh, measures in uh, the whole country. Uh, there were about uh, 4,500 polling stations, and it was uh, not practical uh, to manage all of them uh, with proper care. So the concentration was mostly on the urban areas. Uh, the final turnout was 25.1%. Uh, normally in general elections, they have a turnout from 65 to 70%. Uh, but this uh, elections had a turnout of 25.1%, which actually satisfied uh, the political parties. At least they had elections and the people got elected. Uh, most of the sitting senators got elected, so there was no uh, controversies after that. And what was the, um, well, could you tell us what, what was the most tense moment uh, on election day? Were there any disputes or panics or? The, the real uh, concern was the uh, turnout on the morning. Like uh, there was a big apprehension that uh, maybe nobody will turn out. Uh, because they were all scared about uh, Ebola. Uh, but as I mentioned, there was 25% turnout. Uh, during the day, uh, the issue was, uh, you know, there were a couple of polling stations reporting that uh, their thermometer, though we had provided extra or thermometer batteries not working or people didn't realize how to use it even after training. So they were not, so there was a couple of hiccups, but uh, I, uh, in, in good time, they were taken care of and uh, elections and counting happened smoothly. And what, what was the uh, effect of, you know, managing this election for the reputation of the election commission or, and then and just for the, the tradition of elections in Liberia in general? Election Commission gained a lot of uh, uh, respect and uh, credibility uh, for holding such uh, elections during pandemic. Uh, I cannot comment on their uh, reputation uh, before that, but definitely after that, people started giving them uh, their due and uh, uh, the commission itself uh, came out uh, as a very strong uh, unit uh, who, who pulled it off actually. Uh, because uh, the neighboring countries and the rest of the world were uh, were not in actually favor of that, uh, but it, it really helped uh, uh, the election commission to uh, uh, to be seen as uh, a, a, uh, an institute which uh, knows its job and uh, uh, would deliver all. Okay, moving from uh, Ebola to coronavirus, we've seen many elections take place. Uh, during the pandemic of the past few months. And I wonder if you could cite some examples of elections where they've obviously learned from the Ebola experience and perhaps some uh, cases where they didn't. 
Actually, Ebola was confined to a particular part of the world, like three, four countries in West Africa. So they didn't get much publicity. Uh, Liberia didn't get much publicity how they organized the elections. And so I will be surprised that uh, the, the countries who are going for elections now during this pandemic followed what happened there. Though, uh, as we mentioned earlier, Ebola and Corona uh, requires similar, some similar kind of uh, uh, restrictions uh, uh, to, to, for safeguarding, like safe distancing, not touching each other, uh, uh, washing your hands. Uh, uh, so, uh, but also the, uh, the difference uh, of Liberia and uh, the countries who have gone to elections now, like South Korea, Serbia, Sri Lanka, uh, one is the uh, number of, uh, the number of, the number of population, the number of voters involved, and second, the, these countries have uh, technical advantage, uh, technological advantage over Liberia. Uh, for example, in South Korea, most of the campaign was uh, digitalized. Mm -hmm. Most of the uh, social media was uh, vastly used for, by different political parties and candidates for campaign, which was used in Liberia, but very basic and only confined to certain areas of the country. Yeah, six years is a big change. A big change yeah, yeah. in social media. And uh, uh, then uh, uh, South Korea uh, has uh, introduced uh, uh, advanced voting. Liberia had no provision of uh, advanced voting and they never even thought about that at that time because they knew uh, as such uh, it's within the uh, population, a limited population, limited voter with limited literacy. The voter education would have been a nightmare there for advanced voting. And then with limited resources, you cannot organize long-term elections. Advanced voting requires long-term elections. The period moves from one-day elections to maybe a month of elections. So. Uh, the use of uh, advanced voting, use of uh, postal voting, use of uh, uh, a digitalized campaign are the main differences between uh, elections in Liber Liberia during Ebola and the elections uh, in uh, certain countries during coronavirus. The impact of uh, having elections during corona uh, also goes on the quality of elections, how well they, you can train the polling staff uh, uh, through uh, virtual training, uh, how much uh, uh, money you can spend on elections, because uh, it definitely to have uh, elections during a pandemic increases the cost. You will have to provide extra measures, safety measures to the voters, which cost money. Then also in uh, South Korea is a peaceful, uh, you know, is a country where you don't need observers, you know. Hmm. But a country like uh, uh, Sri Lanka, where there is a question of ethnic uh, conflicts, question of minorities being suppressed or whatever, uh, there you need, uh, if not international domestic observer groups, to make sure that things are uh, being followed in a proper manner. But during a pandemic, how are you going to move the observers? How are you going to place the observers? How are you going to get the observers? So it's not easy. It, it is okay if it is South Korea, you know, uh, but uh, other countries may have uh, those issues. Parvinder, thanks a lot for all the information about Liberia and other cases around the world. Any last thoughts about the trade-off 
between public health and elections? The trade-off, uh, it, it depends on uh, the situation in a country, uh, whether the country can manage to postpone elections and not have, uh, not have a breakdown of democratic structure and constitutional crisis, or whether the government, uh, uh, government is concerned about the public health because the pandemic has uh, uh, really caught that society. It has a fine balance. Uh, it will depend from country to country how they look at it and how they manage it. And the job of an uh, organization like IDEA is just to provide assistance depending on what that decision is. Exactly, exactly. We need to uh, give them insight and uh, oversight and uh, uh, guidance on how they can manage in either of the situations. Thank you, Parvinder. I've been talking to Parvinder Singh. Parvinder Singh is the head of International Ideas Office embedded inside Myanmar's Union Election Commission, and he is also the senior election expert in the EU's Step Democracy Program, Support to Electoral Processes and Democracy. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Mark. It was a pleasure. Good luck with the election in November. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Democracy Ideas podcast. Keep following International Idea on social media. We need all of you to participate in constructing better societies. Goodbye.